Hey, Rachel. Mm. <laughs> what was that? Mm. <laughs> Wait, what's going on? Why aren't you talking? <laughs> I, I just, I don't know if I should really be talking. I'm on this new thing, uh, dopamine fast. Dopamine fast, right. I'm going to talk about that later. Um, I don't think people know what that is. Oh, it's, uh, it's terrible. <laughs> it's really okay. just yet another terrible okay. thing. <laughs> so um, completely consistent with the week then. Yeah. All right. This is This Week in Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. My name is no. My sign is no. My number is no. You need to let it go. You need to let it go. Need to let it go. Okay, so I am back. Welcome back. From the Outer Banks. And no sooner, so we're together again, but yes. not for long, because tomorrow you are headed for... I'm going to Reykjavik yeah. tomorrow for a little long weekend for Josh's birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Josh. That's so great. Do you have? Do you know what you're going to do? I was there a few, uh, few years ago, just me, solo, for a few days. It was more than enough to do everything in Iceland oh, yeah. in a few days. So do you have like your itinerary planned? Yeah, I mean... I, this is like a gift for Josh's birthday, but of course, like he's so good at planning itineraries that I was like, you plan what we're right, going to do right, while we're right, there. Right. Um, and one thing that we have decided that we're not going to do is um, the Blue Lagoon. Which no, you have is, to go to the Blue Lagoon. It, it's the best thing. Everybody, it's like this huge like hot springs where you sit there and you luxuriate and there's waterfalls and grottos and it's fantastic. No. It's, <laughs> No. What have you heard about it? So, oh, wait. Oh, actually, wait. No, no, no. I take that back. I wait, take it back. When I went there, my shoes got stolen. Okay. So you're basically <laughs> telling me that I should go to a place where you had no shoes I in the middle of Iceland? I took them off in the locker room. And like, there's a place where you're supposed to like, because it's such a like kind com- country where you just like leave your shoes there to pick them like up. Like a trust-based yeah, system. Yeah. It's, like, it's like the honor bar at the honor market. <laughs> and, and we honesty were. market at we were. And um and I came back and my shoes were gone. This is terrible. So you wait. were just like walking around? No, no, no. They, I was on my way to the airport and my 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 bag, <laughs> my only other shoes were in a bag, like at the bottom of like a coach of like a airport coach. And they're like, okay, well, you have other shoes. Go get them. You can file a theft report. And I had to walk across this like gravel, sharp gravel parking lot in bare feet and beg the coach driver to like open up the undercarriage to get my... What get season the... was this? Like... It's always winter there. I don't oh know. Oh my God, <laughs> this is horrible. And you're like, how could you not go there? How did you not remember this? So basically we, we were planning on going there, but Josh has a friend who's been to Iceland several times and was like, do not go to the Blue Lagoon. And I feel like this is the kind of advice that you need and it fits right into the this podcast, I think advice of like where not to go is even more valuable than it's where to valuable, go. It's more valuable, absolutely yes. more valuable. So, so I, I amend, like... <laughs> I re- reserve the, re- the right to revend, re- uh, amend and revise my remarks. Rescind about your recommendation. <laughs> but no, so I, I was like, really? You know, so I went on TripAdvisor and I saw like the first review was like a one star review and it said it's overcrowded. They don't clean it. There are dirty diapers in there too. My fiance and I both got really sick. He went underwater and got water up his nose and was puking for 24 hours and couldn't eat normal food for almost a week. I got a bladder and kidney infection and was peeing blood for two days. 
So between okay. your like shoes That's quite and an endorsement. <laughs> so no, we are not going to the Blue Lagoon. Who has the plague? We will be having a hygge weekend yep. doing other things. Yep, uh, drive the Golden Circle. That's yes, amazing. we're going to yep. do that. We're going to see the Northern Lights. We're going to do all the wonderful things. But Blue Lagoon, nope. Okay, Iceland Tourist Board. You can call and sponsor us for our next podcast. Yes. Okay, so Rachel, you came over. We were both, of course, obsessed with the impeachment. We recorded a little later than normal because we didn't know. We wanted to watch the impeachment to see if there's anything to talk to. And sadly, it was the worst of both worlds. It was both incredible. Like the, the witnesses were beyond reproach. It was incredibly informative. There was new news that came out of it. And yet it was also sorely disappointing. Well, you know, I think that like part of the praise that's always being lavished on the Democrats is how like sober they are and how yeah. they stick to well, the this facts. This is a serious and, matter. Yeah. But like. I feel like this is not the time <laughs> for sobriety. This is the time for drunkenness. This is the time. Wait, so you think they should be doing shots I beforehand? Like, watch I don't what know what live? they should be doing. They, I know that like these are politicians. They're bureaucrats. They're not graduates of like the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts. But they really need to like employ more emotion. So you think they, they need a little crazy because that's what the Republicans do. When something's not going their way, they just make up something and shout it at the top of their lungs. They just start screaming. They just and... start screaming. Right. And they <laughs> yes. scream the same thing over and over until it stops working. And then they scream something else. Something else. If, and people right. forget about the last thing. So they you're saying screaming. we need like a crazy Adam Schiff. We yes. need someone who's like the Trump Schiff. Yes. Like you don't bring a knife to a gunfight and you don't bring facts to an argument about emotions. So and you're, you're is... suggesting that we just completely like <laughs> abandon the airtight logic of this impeachment no. and just go into like a whirling dervish. Like, <laughs> I think you can Tasmanian do both. I think imagine the power of shouting <laughs> with facts. Shouting facts. <laughs> Shouting facts. I just think it would require... That's a movement. That's a hashtag. <laughs> like, Shout the facts. Shout the facts. A li bring a little histrionics. Just make it a little crazy. Like, our president is a reality TV game show host who runs around screaming all day. How do you compete with that? You scream louder. Screaming. Scream louder. Yes, okay, yes. don't you think, though, like, rest in peace, don't you think Elijah Cummings would have been great at, at chairing these hearings? Oh, my he God. He speaks with... First of all, he does speak loud when necessary he speaks with this booming voice with moral authority he is but equally you know wedded to the to the facts and yes, uh he would have been perfect about. he would have been perfect something that has the the gravitas that suits this moment we are in a national security crisis it gets worse as made every ever day. more clear by these witness testimony yes and we can't just sit there nodding and like bringing the Adam facts. Schiff was just like staring into the middle distance. Like, <laughs> yes, he's just like, like, oh my god! <laughs> like, I mean, and I get it. I I empathize with him. I think he's a wonderful prosecutor. I just think if he just could <laughs> amp up his delivery. <laughs> It would go a long way on television. Right, right. That's all I'm so saying. So at the end, it was just like, good facts, I have some notes. Go <laughs> Be crazy. Be, be fucking crazy. crazy. Be crazy. But there was some news that came out of yep. today's hearing. So um, Bill Taylor had some new who's information. Who's the charge d'affaires of uh, to Ukraine, right? Yes, he's yep. a like, lifelong... 50-year 50 50 year public servant. Yes. Um, and he said in his testimony that there was a phone call the day after... After the July 25th call between Trump and Zelensky and a staffer of Taylor overheard Gordon Sondland, the ambassador to the EU, and he was talking to Trump like at a restaurant. 
Right, like, on the phone. On the phone? And everybody overheard what Trump was saying on the phone. Okay, so like before because we even address Trump that. Was shouting into the phone. And why is Sondland taking calls about this very sensitive national security matter in a, a public place? <laughs> and so he's on his cell phone and Trump is screaming so loudly about the investigations that um, this staffer to Taylor could overhear what he was saying. And he was asking, what Trump was asking Sondland was if the Ukrainians agreed to the investigations. And Sondland responded by saying, yes, they are ready to move forward. So that right there would be the smoking gun, except they're going to say it's fourth hearsay because it was overheard on a phone in a restaurant by someone who's not you. Right. But but Sondland is testifying next week. So it, it raises the stakes right. for his testimony. Let's see if he'll And also this aide, this aide who is also there. We yeah, can call him Maybe we'll now. call him. Okay. So, that's, that, was, so that's, that was interesting. But guess what? It's probably going to fall on deaf ears. Well, yeah. Until someone goes crazy. Go right. fucking nuts. Go, just go <laughs> Sound fucking the alarm. nuts. And we know, so like there are these lifelong public servants like Bill Taylor and George Kent in his beautiful bow tie. Like these people are not going to go bananas, but we need the people in Congress to just like lose their shit, right? Just run through the halls screaming. Right, Okay. Right. Okay. I so, think we said enough so about we will it. Do that. This wasn't even on our topic so, list, so right? there's, Okay, but my point is that there's people like them, these lifelong <laughs> public servants, and then there is a woman named Mina Chang. Mina Chang. Is she a, uh, a witness in the... She is not. I haven't heard her name yet. She's not. This is a totally unrelated story. Um, NBC News broke it. It's not getting nearly enough attention, but it's very serious. There's so much going on here, and it's so bananas. A link to the story in the show notes, but here are the highlights, okay? okay. I'm bracing myself, yes. <laughs> so, okay. So, Mina Chang holds the position of the Deputy Assistant Secretary in the State Department's Bureau of Conflict and Stability Operations. That is, is quite a title. It is quite that a title. That sounds like a weighty responsibility. It is, it is a very senior role. She has a security clearance. She helps oversee efforts to help to prevent conflicts from erupting in politically unstable countries. This is very important. Yes, this must be like a... a you know, a 65-year-old, you know, veteran of the Reagan administration from the Cold War who understands all the nuances, the ins and outs of war and peace and diplomacy in the 21st century. Well, this is the <laughs> Trump administration, so she's only 35 years old. <laughs> okay. And it turns out, like so many of Trump's appointees, that she is a total fraud. Okay? okay, and that's nothing new. They're all frauds, but in this case, the gap between her qualifications and her job description is just is a gaping it maw. Is, it is a black <laughs> hole. It is like the biggest thing I've ever seen. So first, okay. so Mina said she's a Harvard grad when in reality she appears to have attended the University of the Nations, which is an Wait, un- <laughs> it is an unaccredited Christian school with volunteer teachers. Wait, it's, I try not to make fun of like small schools because some of them provide very good educations. But suffice to say, I'm guessing university. Wait, University of the Nations. Of the Nations, not the United Nations. Of all of them, unaccredited. <laughs> it's all the nations. All of the nations with volunteer teachers. Yes, Christian. Yes. what could possibly go what wrong? Could, right. Okay. <laughs> I was so, deciding. I did early. App, I did early. Early decision. Early. <laughs> I flight early, but uh, I got you it. But then I got, the, I got the Harvard. Yeah. I, <laughs> Went with that. Listen, it was a know, close, call. close call. I get that. So um, her biography on the State Department website says that she's a graduate of a program at the Army War College. But it turns out the program she attended was a four-day seminar. Okay. Okay. There's more. 
She claimed to have addressed both the Democratic and the Republican <laughs> National Conventions in 2016, which was a total lie. Wait, did she address either? She No, she addressed <laughs> she was, neither. She watched them on TV, if <laughs> yes. that. Right. Um, her most relevant prior experience was as the CEO of this Fakakta nonprofit called Linking the World. And uh, Mina Chang has said in speeches that the nonprofit operates in dozens of countries, building schools and impacting thousands of people. And what is it really? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Really a LinkedIn group. (laughs) Right. Linking the world has done none of those things. In in 2015, Linking the World reported that it had no staff overseas and no expenditures abroad of more than $10,000, which would make it very hard to open schools (laughs) in dozens of countries. I heard in Ukraine that could actually bribe a a good mid-level official. For $10,000. But that's just one country. Yeah, they get you a whole department. Right. And P.S., the charity's tax-exempt status was revoked this year. But the craziest part of this, this isn't even, like, this doesn't even hold a candle to what I'm about to tell you. (laughs) This is the thing that makes her possibly most desirable in the Trump orbit. So like Donald Trump, Mina Chang has a fake Time magazine cover that she likes to throw around in interviews. So she was on the cover of Time magazine, of fake Time magazine. fake Time magazine. Is it the kind, don't they have that at, like, theme parks where you can, like, go and get your picture bar and have mitzvahs. it like right at bar mitzvahs, right you could be on newsweek or sports illustrated right. in a baseball so cap. imagine you brought that around <laughs> to interviews and so- when you're 35 and working in the state department <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i have like the sign-in board you know, oh, yeah. like the sign-in board from the bar mitzvahs i was gonna put that on my office wall well i think you have a career ahead of you at the <laughs> pentagon okay so so dave farron told at the washington post had reported that there was this fake Time magazine cover that Trump uses and he it adorns many of his golf clubs. And so it goes with Mina Chang. There's this 2017 video that's posted on her nonprofit's website where she can be heard describing her work while this Time magazine cover scrolls past <laughs> in the background and the interviewer obviously was prompted to say this. She says, here you are, Mina, on Time magazine. Congratulations. Tell me about this cover and how it came to be. And Mina says, quote, well, we started using drone technology Technology in disaster response. And so that was when the whole talk of how is technology being used to save lives in disaster response scenarios, I suppose I brought some attention to that. This is word salad. This is word salad. The reason she's on the cover, allegedly on the cover of Fake Time magazine is because... People were talking about technology being used, drones being used for disaster areas. <laughs> People were talking about that. She, she brought attention <laughs> to drones. progression. I don't think this woman even knows what a drone <laughs> is. This is insane. Okay, so who is Mina Chang and where did she come from? Okay, who, who is, is she really? Re- I want to get to know the real Mina Chang. <laughs> so because... Mina Chang is a lounge singer from <laughs> Dallas. <laughs> Who is exactly who you want mediating conflicts at the State Department? Oh my God, she's a loud singer she's from Dallas, and she's like in charge of global conflict resolution yes. in the State Department. Oh my God, that's impeachment alone. Impeach I mean, Trump for appointing. She's still the- working there. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> So this story came out. Wait, she's still working as a lounge singer? No, as a State Department (laughs) official. She has not been fired. No one's talking about this. In 
in 2009, she released a Christmas album. You could see her on YouTube <laughs> singing Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. But the strange thing about the video is that you don't even actually see her singing. It's just like photos of her like flowing across the so screen. So it could be lip sync or so, it could be Judy Garland singing it for all. You know. I think she's a, also a fake lounge singer. She's like Millie Vanilli. Millie Vanilli. <laughs> <laughs> Millie Vanilli is running global conflict resolution. <laughs> In the Trump State Department. So you may ask yourself, how did she get this job? (laughs) Chang has a key connection in the Trump administration. There's a guy named Brian Bulatow. He's a top figure in the State Department, and he's a longtime friend of Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. They went to West Point together. And um, he attended a fundraiser for linking the world in Dallas and donated over $5,000 to this which is half their charity, annual budget. Which is it half their like. international budget. So, um, so what happened was Chang was being considered for an even more senior government post in which she would have overseen the U.S. Agency for International Development's oh work in God. Asia. And she would have been responsible for a budget of more than a billion dollars. And suddenly, the you know her nomination was withdrawn without any explanation after the Senate Committee on Foreign Relations started asking questions about her background. Um, so I It must think, be bad if the Republican Senate for Foreign Relations is asking questions about her background. Seriously. That's got to be really bad. It's That's really like mass bad. murderer bad. But she's, she's still working <laughs> there. there is, so she has this relationship with this guy, Brian Boudelow, and she's still working there. And there is, I'm sorry, like this podcast is not a news podcast. I'm allowed to speculate. There is some sex stuff going on here. <laughs> Mark my words. I'm not just saying this. This is Mina, a sex story. This basically. is a sex story. Mina Chang. Do you think she's a lounge singer or a quote unquote lounge singer? I think she's a quote unquote loud singer. Definitely. I mean, she, I don't think she's a singer at all. She's, she's a beautiful woman. She looks like Jessica Alba and you know, I'm, she's also a grifter with no (laughs) qualifications who happens to be beautiful. Loud singers make the best grifter. It's one (laughs) big grift. It's one big grift. (laughs) And so here's this influential man giving $5,000 to some non-entity charity in Dallas and giving her a job on his best friend's department in the U.S. government. So... And she has security clearance, you said? Yes. What kind of background background checks do they do they on don't these people? Do them. Oh God. Oh, they, she went in and myself. she showed her fake Time magazine that cover. That's Mina Chang, I could use some career advice because it sounds like you've done pretty well for yourself given your humble beginnings <laughs> and your limited skill set. Hopefully her ends will also be humble. <laughs> her ends oh will my. meet her means. No, Mina Chang. Shut her down. No. no. Oh, I think we should just end the episode there. That was enough note I know, for that two was or a three hole, weeks. But there was so much more, but I had to just like go through the highlights. Okay, I need okay. to detox. We're going to come back to uh, what you led with in the cold open. I want to talk about, uh, we, we talked about this a little bit. There are these crazy Silicon Valley trends, all these life hacking shit. There's the intermittent fasting and the digital detox and ice everyone's baths looking, and ice bath right all the right who does that jack dorsey does all that yes. stuff yeah okay all of it right. sometimes at the same time right so now you always wonder what they're solving for they're solving for weight loss or energy or productivity or whatever well now they've decided that that the thing they need to solve for is that people are just too happy in Silicon okay. Valley, which if you've ever been to Silicon Valley, does not seem to be the problem. No. Um, they're just too happy. They're too overstimulated. And that they're suffering from an addiction to dopamine, which is the neurotransmitter that makes you feel good. Right. And is a subject of whenever you need mood, uh, mood drugs and things like that. A lot of them are dopamine-related, dopamine. right? So there was this incredible time story about the founders of a company called Sleepwell. 
And um, it's about people who are addicted to dopamine. The founders, these three guys, are convinced that's the case. So we're all addicted to dopamine. They're all addicted to dopamine. Well, they would say we we are all, like, as a society. society. Yes, we're addicted to So here's what he says. We're addicted to dopamine. And because we're getting so much of it all the time, we end up just wanting more and more. So activities that used to be pleasurable now aren't. Frequent stimulation of dopamine gets the brain's baseline higher. Okay. So basically, you're so used to being like happy stimulated all the time that you need ever more, just like any drug. What right? evidence? Who are these people? Like, how old are they? And like, they're are 23. They, are, they're, they're 23. 23. And are and they they're li- scientists? It's like the Silicon Valley house. They're like living together, like hacking are they, together. They're like business people. They don't have like. Yeah, they're like bullshit founders, like yeah. startup founders. Right. So they came up with what they need to do is a is dopamine fasting, okay. which is like intermit- intermittent fasting from food. But this goes much, much broader. So they are fasting not just from digital devices. It's basically basically abstaining from everything. No eating, no music, no screens, no exercise, no work, no eye contact, no touching your own body, and no talking. For how long? How long do they do these things? You decide. It's choose your own adventure. (laughs) It could be a day. It could be a week. And there's another very interesting rule. A photographer can take your picture, but there can't be a flash because that would be overstimulating. Because that causes a surge of dopamine. Apparently, yes. <laughs> or maybe the prospect that you could be on Instagram. I don't very, know. <laughs> um, very. Okay. So the question is, what science. do they do while they're on their dopamine fast of a day, a week, or year? Yeah. Do they go into like a coffin? Yes. They well, they read. That's good. It's like Shabbat. <laughs> but that's read. that's dopamine that's stimulating. inspiring. Well, right. It's a spectrum. It's a okay. spectrum, right, of of stimulation. They read. Uh, they the Times article says they wander around rooms of the house, like idly putting on more and more sweaters as they go. <laughs> like layering? Yeah, they just keep layering on more sweaters because apparently as they don't eat, their body temperature drops and they get colder and colder. And so they, so they all put live on... together and they do these fasts together? Yes, and they're all just like like uh, zombies, like, <laughs> like loping sort of around the, the house, like avoiding eye contact with each other and not talking. Um so you could say, like, it would be nice to go outside for a walk. Why not do that? But that's very tricky, too. This guy, uh, Sinka, says, I, uh, I avoid eye contact because it excites me. I avoid busy streets because they're jarring, and I have to fight the waves of the smell of delicious food. So going out is really not an option. There's okay. too many temptations there. So they just wander around in circles in I their house. I have an idea like, yes. for a show. It should be like the real world <laughs> Dopamine fast. <laughs> the Real Housewives of Dopamine <laughs> Fasters. Yeah. They would never fight. There would never be any They're just like. Sort of like loping around in sweaters. <laughs> no one would throw each other under it the bus. They could be sponsored by a knitwear company. <laughs> this is the greatest idea. Of or all they, time. Could do, they could do uh, The Apprentice, where they give them challenges and nobody does them. <laughs> right. They just go and read. <laughs> or Survivor, where they drop them on an island and they just sleep. Yeah. Like, yeah, no challenges. Just vote each, they don't even vote each other off. It's just a, like it's a just... steady cam. <laughs> On an island. So, of course, everyone's got to take things one step further. Um, Karen Donovan uh, of Silicon Valley is uh, starting a new Vispasana silent meditation center. A woman is participating in this nonsense? Well, she's adjacent to the I thing. I thought this so was like a bro thing. Oh, it's totally a bro thing. But um, she's adjacent and she's dedicated to you know, a meditation, I guess. And she's working on a program that's the logical extension of this, which is sitting on a dark floor with your eyes closed for... 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say 10 minutes. <laughs> 10 minutes you could do. 
<laughs> 10 minutes was like headspace. No, like 10, 10 days? days. Yes. 10 days. It's just consistently? Yes. I mean, I don't, do, I don't know if you sleep. What if you, what if you have to go to the bathroom? <laughs> no, it's like Coco. You ring the bell. <laughs> Someone walks you there. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's all nonsense. Um, this is, I mean, these are people who think that they are inventing something that has existed. Well, they think they're outsmarting life. That's the thing. Yeah. Just live life. You get like, you could walk outside. Like, in what way is that? productive towards a more productive happier well, they don't want a happier life they want no stimulation they want misery life. well if they want misery they should just go and like i don't know go move to like siberia or something or ukraine yeah go, go become a anti-corruption official that in ukraine it's a loveless that's a, job that is a dopamine fast for you that's like a real life dopamine fast <laughs> go join rudy giuliani's defense team <laughs> oh my god dopamine play fast. of stimulation there okay nope shut this down no. please do not do it don't mean fast. Rachel, I hope you were joking in the cold open when you said you were doing one. I'm not doing one. Okay. No, you seem I just, far I, too. You're making eye contact with I'm me while we're talking. I'm making way too much sense. And you're sense. drinking whiskey. I'm drinking whiskey. <laughs> I am wearing a sweater. <laughs> yes. That I have is, another one in the back for when your I will come body to a temperature fast. plummets. Okay. I'm going to switch gears here. Uh, I'm going to talk about this thing in Northwestern University with their uh, student newspaper. Have yeah. you been following this? Well, yeah, Northwestern. It, it, the Medill School of one Journalism. One of the finest institutions of higher learning. Right. So the Daily Northwestern. This is a, a story that's dear to my heart because, you know, I was the managing editor of the Crimson. So I yes. know all about student journalism. With um, Mina Chang. With <laughs> Mina Chang, who's my assistant <laughs> managing editor. <laughs> We worked very closely together. Yes. I'm very bitter that she made the cover of Time Magazine and I didn't. Damn you, Mina. <laughs> it's very competitive at Harvard. Very. Um, so the Daily Northwestern, uh, they, you know, everyone, they cover all the speeches and protests you always do. There was a speech, uh, a speech with Jeff Sessions. And of course, there were scores of protesters, a huge course, protest. Yes. It's great. That's this kind of what... part of college life, yeah. right? You get, there's some terrible speaker, you go and you protest. And the Daily Northwesterner, Daily Northwestern reported on it. They had reporters there. They took photos. The photos were in the paper. They shared them on social media. They, I don't uh, see any <clears throat> problems here. What's, what? yeah, they <laughs> interviewed, they interviewed students. Yeah, this is all, who had been what, there about, this all sounds very normal. About this. There was outrage. There was outrage. Okay. The there was so much outrage at this. At what? <laughs> what? What? Was... The fact that they were like exposing the names and images of students who had participated in a protest. Well, this is what. Okay. <laughs> wait, wait, let me tell you. This. Let <laughs> okay. me tell you what happened. So the outrage. So there was this outrage, and then the uh, editor, the editor in chief of the Northwestern, and uh, and seven other editors wrote this op-ed. Not technically in staff ed, but. Uh, it was signed by the editor-in-chief, and it was apologizing for everything about the article and the treatment of the, the, of the event. They pulled the photos. They admitted invasion of privacy. They said they were taking measures to, to prevent this in the future. They said that uh, they understand that students found the photos, quote, re-traumatizing and invasive. Re-traum- not, not just once, re-traumatizing. Okay. And it turned out that the way they, they interviewed people was that they used the public uh, college phone directory to obtain phone numbers and texted students to ask if they would be kind enough to do an interview. Okay. Seems the right way, right? No, that was... I'm uh, finding all of this unobjectionable. <laughs> no, that was triggering. <laughs> like, how are you supposed to reach students 
what to interview them. What are you supposed to do? No, carry your pigeon? Fax them? Like, I don't what? Know. Okay, so that was that was offensive. So there was a justify, as with you, there was a justifiable backlash from journalist Glenn Kessler, very respected of the Washington Post, said, how is it possible that a newspaper at what is allegedly a top journalism school would apologize for the basics of reporting? That's what it is. So here's the thing. If you're at a protest, you're in a public place, you're shouting things that anybody who walks by can hear, Presumably, the point of the protest is to get attention. That's Congratulations, exactly. that's you what got I was attention. Say. Why do you People protest? People will kill for publicity. press for publicity. That's, that's what you want. Social when you go media to... go viral. Like, if you don't want to be photographed at a protest, then go on a dopamine fast <laughs> that's right, and stay right. at home in your sweater. So when I was on the paper in college, there were a few different stories that like we would put the the first year students to go do that were like dreaded. One was the weather story, uh-huh. which was like when it was raining, it was a particularly warm or cold day, you would send people out to Harvard Square and go interview randos on the street and say, how do you feel about the weather? Oh, that sounds... It's terrible. I did plenty of them. <laughs> and the, se- the second worst is the speech story uh-huh. where you go to like the Kennedy School of Government and some like someone drones on about like public... But not not Mina Chang. <laughs> <laughs> Mina Chang gives us a talk. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. <laughs> right. And you go report on the speech yeah. story, right? Those are like rites of passage. But now those are like you should get combat pay for doing those, the speech stories, the protest stories. Yes. It's like you're you're triggering people. It's it, terrible. It's but I just I still don't understand. Like, and I've I've read a little bit about this, but I still don't understand like what some of these people are complaining about. I get like I, th- I think they're saying that if you uh, I'm not agreeing with this, but I think they're saying that, like, if you are protesting, you are vulnerable to being to retaliation in some way. OK. Again, from the people that you're that you're I mean, given the, that Jeff Sessions has proven to from be your a retaliator. job or whatever. Yeah, like, and yeah. so if you're identified from the university. You, however, right, if yes. you're putting yourself in that position to protest, I feel like you, you need to be willing to take that risk. That is the point. That is the spirit of protest. Right. Yes. Right, I completely agree. So no, no, <laughs> so, no, no, so no to, to this. I mean, and I no do, to the paper to the student paper for apologizing for this. Keep doing what you're supposed apologize. to be doing. Be a, be a newspaper. No Could you imagine if everybody didn't report something because they're worried that like they might offend someone? I no, no, and I did. I did read like the um, editor in chief had like a thoughtful Twitter thread explaining yeah. the op-ed and his actions. And I, I mean, I get where he's coming from in the sense that he's trying to be sensitive to all these competing I'm interests. I'm fine with that. But um, but I also feel like in the end, you can consider these perspectives and say, you know what? <laughs> nope. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, like, in the end, reporting fundamentally, I mean, if, the, if you can't report on what people are screaming in public... Like, what can you what report on? What can you on? do? Where right. are we? This like, is also the whole problem with the government. They think like like the White House. They can like just take the public's, the, the public's business and throw reporters out of a room where they're doing the, the people's business of America because like they don't like the questions they're, they're asking. they're being rude. They're that's, being that's rude, Trump's right? They can like, just like, that's the, it's the same thing. You need thing. to like, be respectful. No, you don't. No, no, you don't. Nobody should be respectful. Yeah. Just be disrespectful. Yeah. Shut it down. Shut it down. No, no. No, no okay. absolutely not. Yeah, no. Overlapping themes here. Overlapping themes here. Um, so uh, I want to talk. Have you seen about this uh, spreadsheet that's going around with you the journalists? You told me about yeah, it. And yeah. I was really, I went into it today. I was very interested in this. Yes. I didn't know. So it turns out there's a lot of overlap here. So it turns out that um, there's this Google Doc going along around among journalists. It's an anonymous spreadsheet where people uh, upload their job title, their company that they work for, their salary, their like personal identity, like mail, cis mail, 
white, whatever, uh, their years of experience, their location of their job, and their duties. And the goal is to just get a, a glancing comparison. Not supposed to be scientific, but it, the anonymity gives people permission to do it. But it's also specific enough. Like I'm a producer at Slate, so it you know it's credible. Um, and it was just very surprising to me. So for all of these people where it goes, you know, this level of seniority goes up and down, but even the rank and file, the salaries rarely go above seventy to $80,000, even in New York. I'd say mostly the average is around $60,000. And there were some like, and of course you have the senior seamer people who are in the six figures, but I have news for you. Like, I don't mean any disrespect to people who work very hard for low paying jobs that don't even make a fraction of this, but this is New York City your professionals, most of your peers who are doing, frankly, far less worthy work are making well into the six figures. Oh, yeah. And you wind up being a breaking news reporter for the New York Times making 60. No, you could it's be a CNN associate producer making 51. You could be a section editor at Condé Nast making $63,000. A web producer for Wirecutter, which is a New York Times uh, uh, property, is making $45,000 a year. How could you can't live in New York City for that? I mean, if you could, if maybe, like, if you're like, a single person living like in the outer boroughs in your first year in, in your an first, internship right but remember these people are all these are all college these educated college jobs educated. There's student loans to pay some off some of these people have children like it's just impossible the math just does not make sense no and again i don't want to be uh, insensitive to people who work very hard for a lot less but if we're talking about this particular professional class of people living in new york city for the most part this is absolutely inadequate and it's frankly it's just like teacher salaries like i think that reporters and journalists are a public good just like just like just teachers, like teachers. Oh, yes. pay them all of the money pay right pay, <laughs> take it them, all take it all, all of the money, all the money. Yes. <laughs> but i think what's also an interesting angle that also gets onto the whistleblower and to the northwestern story is about anonymity which is like to make a point now nobody it's so sensitive nobody talks about their salary what they make right uh -huh. but there's safety in numbers which is kind of what unions are about but there's also safety in anonymity and when there's things that are unjust but are also like taboo to talk about sometimes if people get together and do something anonymously that gives the power of you know you know some group dynamic that could yeah. maybe make a change power in numbers absolutely i i'm all for this i think this is great this is a yup. Good. It's a nope to the way journalists are paid. And then you have these stories like Deadspin where they're like cutting costs and telling people what to write about and what not to write about it. And so not only do they get paid nothing, they get treated like shit. They have no job security. Their stories are getting shorter and less relevant. No, and they have to be on call all the time. If you're a breaking news reporter, if there's breaking news, you have to drop I, whatever I don't know you're how doing. They do it. I have friends who are reporters are constantly writing consistently good stuff, whether it's in print or online, and they're tweeting all day and they're tech now you have to when you talk to, to sources you have to text with them and slack with them and absolutely you have to do multimedia I, I, do things I would have, an, I would have a nervous to... breakdown I couldn't be a journalist I thought at one point I thought I was going to be a journalist I was for a brief time now I couldn't do it I would be in a old age home already I did it for 10 years and it just like honestly when I had AJ it became unsustainable the numbers just did not make sense yep Yep. Yeah. So nope, nope, so to, nope, the, nope. to the powers that be employing journalists, pay them a living pay wage. Pay them just a little bit more. It's not, they're yeah, not pay asking. Them a lot more. They're not asking for like, they don't, they're in it because they love the job. Yeah. They're not trying to be millionaires yeah. here, but they just want to fucking live. You don't it's, go into journalism to be a millionaire, to teaching to be a millionaire. No. You just want to be paid fairly and do satisfying work. Yes. Shut it down. Shut no. it down. No. no. Okay. 
Ready for a change of topic? <laughs> I am, I am <laughs> okay, ready. Yeah. That was heavy. <laughs> no, it's good. We were it passionate about we it. Are. That was like, we are. We all about we, that. We talk about this all the time, like just one-on-one. We just happen to have the mics here today. So um, this is not really something we talk about, about online dating, although we talk about it on the podcast. Um, it's always evolving. Like it's such a competitive field and not a, like at the company level, there's always new companies that are coming up. And then at the personal level, how do you stand out with all these potential mates? Um, oh, yeah. And, for online dating. Yeah. For online dating, yeah. yeah. So um, there's a new <laughs> there's a new trend, <laughs> a new personal profile that seems to be taking all the gold that's winning all the ladies. Okay. And it is the chicken parm bro. Oh my God, you're making me hungry right now. Like, what did I just order? <laughs> we did order food. It should be I in my cum I literally <laughs> ordered chicken farm. Oh no, I didn't order <laughs> chicken ordered salmon, salmon and brown rice. Okay, but my first okay, so choice chicken, was chicken parm. Chicken parm bros are a thing. Um, this was, of course, in the New York Post, my favorite, second favorite, second favorite uh, news outlet, not paid enough either. Um, Carly Spiewak, 25 years old, says, chicken parm guys find me. You don't realize how many there are out there. So apparently on Hinge, I've never tried it, but there are like questions you could put up that people ask. And anytime there's a question about food now, the guys all say that they love chicken parm. And that's some sort of like code that like what's the you're code? horny. Oh, know. it's it's a horny code. <laughs> it's, code. it's definitely code for I like chicken parm. But and then but who among us doesn't like chicken parm? It is the most well, delicious. Well, there's an exception coming up here. So Carly Spiewak um, was quoted saying, "One of my friends sent me three screenshots that night of guys talking about chicken parm okay. on their Hinge profiles." So they went deeper. They went deeper. They talked to Johnny Adler of Jersey City. Oh, Car- Carly lives in Hoboken. Seems like there's a lot of Jersey going on here. And Johnny Adler says, we're in chicken parm season. Because oh. <laughs> it's cold. People are looking to snuggle up. They want the comfort food. Yes. Yeah. All true. And chicken parm Johnny, is the ultimate. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's the same way it can make a relationship. It can break a relationship. So Johnny went out on a date with a gluten-free girl, he says. Okay. And it was problematic. He says, we found a sweet spot with a gluten-free pizza. But you can't really get a gluten-free chicken parm. No. So it didn't work out. Well, it <laughs> wasn't meant to parm. be. It's all about <laughs> the parm. No. So anyway, I don't have a lot more to that thing. I just think it's worth noting that chicken palm bros are a thing. I think I need to go on Hinge. I'm sorry, Josh. <laughs> sorry, but, Josh. But, like, does he like chicken parm? But he does love chicken parm. Okay, yeah. so it's maybe like, you'll you'll do a renewal of your vows <laughs> at a banquet <laughs> featuring only chicken parm. I would totally do that. I can't eat it. I'm gluten free. Oh yeah. That's why I've been. I, I, I'm glad I found Doug when I did because otherwise I would be unlucky in love yeah, in this really. chicken parm age. <laughs> this chicken I parm never cut world. it as a chicken parm bro. No, no. Okay. This was a weird episode, Rach, wasn't this it? Was very weird, and there's in a delightful a, way. And, yeah. I actually had more fun than usual doing this because we like we didn't really stick to the script here. We we don't really have. A we script, went off but... piece <laughs> at multiple points, but we really we haven't been in the same room for a few weeks. I know we're so just I... overflowing with things we're dying to talk yes, about. There's so there's a lot of stuff, and there's even more, but we're going to spare you because we know that. Yeah, we have a few items we're going to save for next yeah. week. Um, so. Uh, uh, we have yups. We have These are our little rays of light, our little beacons of hope that kept us going beacons through the week while we were apart for two weeks. Yes. Finally, 
Rachel, what's your yap? So on Saturday night, um, my parents were, they offered to babysit AJ and Josh and I decided to take advantage of that moment and really just like live it. <laughs> so I <laughs> got tickets. Live the lives of 40-something parents of a five-year-old. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I got tickets to see um, David Byrne's show on Broadway, uh, American Utopia. And I heard it was good, but I was just unprepared for how life-affirming and joyful and amazing really? this production is. I don't think is. of him as like, I think of him as like a little askew and like not particularly like ebullient. He's weird, but in the best possible way. Okay. And there's this brilliant choreography and they're all wearing like gray suits and um, it's just a celebration of hope. But it's his music. It's all his it's music, all right? It's all his music. Um, yeah. And, and like you rarely go to a Broadway musical and the whole theater is like dancing in the aisles and cheering. Really? So it's like Mamma Mia, but for non... <laughs> for non-Meryl Streep. 16-year-old girls. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's, it's really a beautiful, thoughtful production and i recommend that everybody sees it great if you can yeah. um mine also not for 16 year old girls oh no why not for 16 year old girls not but not in a mama mia way while i was away i read a bunch of books and i think my favorite one i read was an illustrated version like a graphic novel version of the iliad oh. like the iliad and the odyssey which i had read in college and it's like deathly long and boring and it's all battles and lists of names and shit like that it's by this guy named gareth hines who's done a bunch of this for shakespeare plays he also did um the odyssey and beowulf it is so beautiful it took him like a year to illustrate and color it he's also like a great i don't know translator and storyteller having read the original whatever so many years ago i can't even imagine imagine wrestling that story and all the characters into a graphic novel that's amazing it's so important to go back and read the classics and vacation is the perfect time to it do is. it and i think we all read we sort of have a traumatic experience when we read something that's like too complicated when we're too young to really appreciate it yeah or reading it in a hurry because it's one of a thousand books in a class and it's nice to sometimes go back when you're Just a little like bit older it. and look there's no shame like i feel like i'm enjoying it more because it was a graphic novel i don't need to read the whole like you know list of names again of all the the trojans who died at the wall like right. i want this incredible emotional treatment of it so i highly recommend gareth hines the iliad or any of his other works so gareth hines and homer and <laughs> david, david Byrne. Byrne. yup okay. yup to all of you oh thank you for that we've been getting such good reviews such good ratings i get this weird like report i don't even know where from that tells us like our international standings like on this weird thing so like we're like number 48 most popular p comedy podcast in egypt oh my god yeah egypt. and we're big in thailand yeah. and lithuania <laughs> Lithuania is like the new Prague. <laughs> it's the new Ukraine. I hope <laughs> not. <laughs> um, so anyway, if you're in those nations or anywhere else in Just between. please like subscribe, tell your friends. Give us five stars. You right? know, people tell me it's light when you guys are talking like we are now. It's not really scripted. We're just sitting here shooting the shit. That's why the song at the end says, shoot the shit. I got shit to shoot. Yes, that's what we're doing. That's what we do. So come join us. Join us. Join, you know. We don't actually join us. I can only fit so many people well, here. Well, I but... mean, you can join us. If you, if you want to join us, we will have another live show and you could request to join us and we will evaluate that request. <laughs> okay. No. Okay, this is no. enough already. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. This has been This Week in Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. Wanna be my new friend, we got a lot in common We can talk about nothing, shoot the shit, we got shit to shoot Yo, you wanna meet me at the bar? Yeah.
Okay. 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 Okay.